This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Man, it's great to be with you guys tonight. Look, I want to go ahead and tell you the purpose of this whole message tonight right up front. No punchline, no waiting. This is it. It has two purposes. One, this message is to glorify Jesus. And two, it is hopefully to teach you and I how to pray to him in a way that glorifies him. Did that make sense? We're going to glorify God and we're going to pray to him in a way that gives him glory. Notice things I didn't say. I didn't say we're going to learn how to pray to him to get what we want more often. I didn't say that we're going to pray to him in a way that gets us bumped up the call waiting line in heaven. No, no, our prayers are part of our worship to him. And how we pray to him gives him glory or attempts to give ourselves glory. Are you following me? We're going to spend the next six weeks in a series called Steadfast, Walking Through the Psalms. And guess what? I'm only speaking the first one. The next five weeks are going to be like your amazing leaders coming with their own perspective and what the Holy Spirit is speaking to them. And they're going to look at the Psalms. We're going to look at the Psalms together. And we're going to break them down into different themes and genres of the Psalms. We're going to look at Psalms that, that offer wisdom. We're going to look at Psalms that offer worship. And some are, are for repentance. There's a bunch of them. And we're going to bring them week after week after week. And every one of them, we're going to look at how God is steadfastly in love with us and how we can take this idea of how the psalmist prays and worships and praises and repents and how we can apply that in our own God time every day. So if you want to get the most out of this series, two things you need to start doing. One is start spending time with him every day. And two, begin applying throughout the week what you learned about the previous Wednesday. So tonight we're talking about prayer. We're going to look at Psalms that are prayers and see what we can learn about how to pray to God in a way that glorifies him. And so in your God time for the next seven days, try to apply some of these principles. And then when another leader brings the next theme, you apply that one. This is going to absolutely put on steroids your your time with the Lord. God is noted in the ESV translation in the Psalms as being steadfast 133 times out of 150 chapters. Most often, it is connected to his love. His steadfast love endures forever. As you read through the Psalms on your own, you're going to find that line a lot. His steadfast love endures forever, forever, over and over and over again. You're going to find that steadfastness connected to faithfulness nine times, and then also connected to his justice and his mercy. And you know what? Every time it mentions faithfulness, justice, and mercy, it is always following his love. It doesn't just say his steadfast justice. It always says his steadfast love and justice, his steadfast love and mercy. I think something is being communicated to us. 
God loves you to pieces. He loves you so much. There was, he was willing to go to the cross for you. He loves you so much that even when you mess up, he's not looking to just kick you to the curb. He's looking for ways to call you back to himself. His steadfast love endures forever. We're going to look at the steadfastness of, steadfastness of God over the next six weeks. The purpose of the Psalms is not so that we have fun songs to sing together. The purpose of the Psalms is not that we glean life tools. The purpose of the Psalms is to glorify God. And for us to begin to learn his character and his attributes. That is the purpose. The secondary purpose is to give us an understanding of how to properly interact with him. You can go through the Bible. There's, there's things in the Bible. I listened to a great Francis Chan sermon recently that said, these are the kinds of prayers God just doesn't hear. The Psalms teach us how to glorify God through our prayers, through our worship, through our repentance, through wisdom. So I'm ready. Over the next six weeks, you're going to hear from, give him a hand, Jim. Yeah, he's next week. After that, it's going to be Miss Pat. Give her a hand. Then Miss Jamie Dishman. Then Jamie Conley. Get them switched. And then Mr. Chad. Professor Chad Young. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. Well, I have the pleasure of kicking off with the topic of prayer, so let's just jump into this. I think one of the most exquisite, amazing aspects of traveling is room service. It's so cool. Like, I, I, I just love being, you know, out in a hotel, and I'm sitting there with my wife, and it's like, you know what? Let's not go out. I don't have to, like, get ready. She has to do, like, eight hours on her makeup, and then it takes us 38 minutes to, I mean, every little thing. Let's just order room service. Room service also comes with, you can get your clothes washed, you can get them pressed. I mean, as much as you're willing to spend, you can call from the telephone and get anything done. And so often, we will treat our prayer like making a telephone call to room service. And we just think that we just have this endless expense account in heaven, and we don't even have to pay tips. But that's not prayer at all. What we learn from the Psalms is that prayer is always a surrender. I love this quote. Listen to this by a guy named E. Stanley Jones. Prayer is surrender to the will of God and cooperation with that will. We are cooperating with God's will when we pray. If I throw out a boat hook from a boat and catch hold of the shore and pull, do I pull the shore to me or do I pull myself to the shore? Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but aligning of my will to the will of God. Are you following that? That, that is a table-turning, a bit uncomfortable nugget of gold right there. Because if we always come to prayer saying, God, here's my Christmas list, then I promise you, you will be disappointed and quickly, quickly disillusioned with your created God that you worship. But if we come to a real living God who we understand his character from his word, and we are aligning ourselves to his sovereign kingship over time, over matter, over space, then we are aligning ourselves with his will when we pray. So as we study the Psalms, we're going to see requests, we're going to see cries for help, even some cursing of enemies flinch a little bit. Wow, that's weird. But the authors are beautiful examples 
of what it is to say, Lord, my life's falling apart. Everything's coming against me, but I trust you completely. I trust that your will is going to be done and whatever is happening in my life will align to that will to be for your glory and my best. The book of Psalms is 150 chapters. David only wrote actually 73 of them. We give David like full credit. But Moses wrote some, Solomon wrote some, and some other guys, let me see, I want to make sure, another guy named Asaph and the sons of Korah and a couple others, and then there's about 50, we have no idea who wrote them. But each one of these authors gives us beautiful pictures of how to glorify the Lord. So for our key verse tonight, we're not going to Psalms. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. You probably know this verse very well. And I'm actually starting five words before verse 6, just to throw you guys off. But it's just such a beautiful opening, and it begins the sentence. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Ooh. So what's the difference between prayer and supplication? I didn't know. So I looked it up, and I found Greek words that I will not try to pronounce because I'm not studying in Greek. But I did find that supplication means to petition, to make a request, to ask of something, right? Hey, Mom, I need new shoes. That's a request. It's a supplication, right? Prayer itself is an umbrella term for many different kinds of worship. Ultimately, prayer just means communication with God. That's it. It has a lot less to do with about asking for things and a lot more to do with relationship. This is a quote out of what's called the New Bible Commentary. In the Bible, prayer is worship that includes all attitudes of the human spirit in its approach to God. The Christian worships God when he adores, confesses, praises, and supplicates him in prayer. The highest activity, this is prayer, the highest activity of which the human spirit is capable may also be thought of as communion with God. Prayer is where we build relationship. You would be really, really foolish to call someone your best friend if you've never had a conversation with them. You'd be really, really foolish to get married to someone that you never had a conversation with. You'd be really foolish if the only conversation you had between yourself and your best friend was their laundry list of asking you for a whole bunch of stuff every single day over and over and over again, of what they can get from you. No. Prayer is this spending time in his presence and having this two-way conversation where you pour out your heart about what's going on in your life, about, about what you're feeling. But it's more than that. It's also about other people and what God's kingdom is going, what's going on in God's kingdom and, and looking for his, outs, his outlook and insight for today. Prayer is where you sit down across the table, where you have that date with God and get to know him in a much deeper way. I will quote this till I'm dead. This is from Miko. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E. Do you love the Lord? Because it's going to show in your time. It's uncomfortable because I think it pinches all of us a little bit, Right? Philippians, I love this verse because it opens with the Lord is at hand. Pray, don't be anxious, supplicate, give thanksgiving, and the peace of of God is going to guard your heart. Why? Because it opens with these words. 
the Lord is at hand. He's close. He is Emmanuel, God with us. That's so beautiful. No wonder we have no reason to have anxiety. If we can just remember and hold in our minds that he is at hand. Wow. And so we see in this verse, we see relationship, we see requests, and we see giving thanks. So what can we look forward to if we pursue God in these three things, relationship, requests, and giving thanks? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which is bigger, which is disproportional to what you're looking at. You look at COVID and you're like, it's so big. You look at school and it's huge. And we have this friend drama and it's just this colossal iceberg coming at you and this issue going on with your mom and, or this sin that you can't break out of. And then we remember that Jesus stands at our right hand. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. You know, sometimes our minds and our hearts, our emotions can run a bit wild. Sometimes we will slip down the slope of what ifs. Sometimes we will throw ourselves off the cliff of grasping for control of our own lives. But this says that with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, that he will guard our hearts. Paul was presently, when he wrote Philippians, chained to a Roman guard. A Roman guard whose sole job was to control Paul's every moment to make sure he was under control. But Paul says, this Roman guard is not in control of my mind and my heart. When my heart and my mind try to get away from me, it is the peace of God that is in control of my mind. Guys, that's exciting. That, that's a game changer. Next time you start slipping into fear, we have no room to fear if your God of peace is guarding your mind. You have no need for anxiety about what tomorrow is going to bring. If you are in Christ, who is standing at your right hand, who is guarding your mind and your heart. So what are the benefits of prayer that we see here? The expulsion of anxiety. Get out of here, anxiety. Pow! You got no room here. A peace that outweighs every situation and our minds and hearts guarded by Jesus. And so with that in mind, I want to take a look at some of the most beautiful prayers in the Bible. We're going to go to the Psalms. And we, together, are going to read a Psalm together. I'm going to start with verse 1, and you're going to go 2, I'll go 3, so you have even numbers, I have odd numbers, and we're going to read through this Psalm together. And if you can start paying attention to the rhythm of the author, you're going to see that this is the way that many prayers in the Psalms are written. Are you guys ready? We're going to make this fun. Let me see, throw them up there. Uh, oh, rats, they didn't put it in bold like I was expecting. It's okay. You guys can see the two, right? Are right, you able to follow me? All right. All right. Lord, bless this time, and I pray that you're planting seeds. We're not just reading off rote information, but you're beginning to settle things in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for your anchor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Elevate. You ready to do this with me? I'm going to go verse one. You got two, et cetera, et cetera. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Do you hear these verses? This is, this is David. This is one of his psalms. And he's crying out, please hear me. Please don't miss it. I'm, I'm crying out to you. He's opening it with this, 
this cry for help. But then David changes gears for worship. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. That's David lifting up worship, saying, God, I know how I'm feeling, but this is who you are. No matter what's going on in me, no matter how much I'm crying, no matter how difficult my life is, you are good and forgiving. You are abounding in steadfast love. David is holding on. He's locking into what is unmoving and still true about God. All right, so take verse six. Go, give ear. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. Did you catch that in verse 7? David hasn't even finished his prayer yet, and he's already proclaiming the truth that he knows the Lord answers him, and there is none like him. Okay, guys, you're going to have to give me more energy. This is getting a little embarrassing. I'm up here excited about this, and you're down there like, you're in class or something. This is not class. This is worshiping Jesus together. So let's lock down. I'm going to read verse 9, and you take 10 with some gusto. All right, ready? Verse 9. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. But you, O Lord, are a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Wow. Guys, isn't that beautiful? Yeah. God's word. So David opens crying out for help. He is like desperate here. And then he turns around and worships. Then he cries for help again. And then he worships. And then he lays out prayer where he's talking about who he wants to be. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. And then he worships, and then he calls out for help, and then he worships, and then he prays, but you, Lord, are merciful. And he talks about these guys that are trying to kill him, that are trying to attack him, and then he worships. What a pattern. I wanted to lay out briefly four different psalms that are prayers. Psalm 86 is written by David. You can look up and read these later. Psalm 90 is written by Moses. Psalm 102, we don't know the author. And Psalm 142 is David again. And I want to just lay out kind of the structure of how each of these prayers work. I think we have, yes. So if you take a look, we just laid out the structure of Psalm 86. Now look at 90. Half of the Psalm is worship. Then Moses talks about God's wrath against sin. It's basically coming to like repentance, like, oh man, God, you have laid our iniquities on our own heads here. And then he closes with his prayer. Psalm 102, 
is like this cry for help. Like Psalm 102 is like heart-wrenching. He's talking about how he's like starving. You can see his bones through his skin because he just, he's lost his appetite for food and he's up all night, you know, weeping because of whatever is going on in his life. And then he turns around and worships. And then instead of praying for himself, he turns and starts praying for the nation that God's kingdom would go forward. He recognizes that God cares for him. Then he calls out for help all over again. It's like he relapses back into this depression And then he worships and he closes the thought that God cares for him. And then in 142, it's David again. It's the same pattern, help and worship, help and worship over and over. Whenever you look at these four Psalms, I'll try to show you some cross connections of how beautiful they are and what we can learn about them. We see that three things are included over and over and over again. And one, you've already seen a bunch. It's that they're interlaced with worship. They're constantly saying, Lord, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on. But you are awesome. You are gracious. You are righteous. You are steadfast. You are unmoving. But Lord, everything is so hard, and I'm just not able to get around this. But Lord, may your kingdom go forward. No matter what's going on in my life, may the nations recognize who you are. It's this back and forth that the author wrestles with. And I think if we were to wrestle, if we lived in that tension a little bit more, I think we would start having so much hope at the end of our prayer. I think that the Holy Spirit would be able to work through us so much more when it's so much less about us and more about who God is. So they're interlaced with worship, remembering who God is. We're going to talk uh, in the coming weeks about the difference between worship that is who God is and worship which is thanking God for what he's done. There's a difference between saying, God, you are mighty and just, and, and your throne stands on righteousness. And saying, thank you, God, so much for my family and my health, and thank you for getting me through this tough situation. They're both worship, but they're both very different. And what we see here so often is that it switches back and forth to this recognition of who God is very often. And I can't wait to hear our speakers speak on both of those topics. There's also what happens in both of these is a style of worship where the author is encouraging themselves. They'll say something like, God, you answer me, or you will remain, or you are my refuge. It's the author talking to themselves saying, no matter what I feel, let me tell me what is true. I'm going to remember who God is and what he's always done. I think that's faith. When we are acknowledging what is already true before we've seen it, that God is going to bring us through the situation, that he is going to mold me for whatever is coming up and equipping me for whatever is going to come. The second thing that we see in all of these is those requests. Many times those requests are for lasting spiritual things like God's kingdom or wisdom or seeing, seeing his glory. 86.11 talks about, says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. So this isn't David saying, I want a pony for Christmas. This is David saying, I want to know you. I want to know your truth. Teach me how to follow you. In Psalm 90, 12, it says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So again, it's not just asking for personal things. It's asking for lasting spiritual things that will not be moved by life situations. But the authors also ask for for earthly needs. They ask for things like forgiveness, blessings on their own hard work, deliverance from their enemies. In 98, we see, it says that you have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins are in the light of your presence. Wow, that's uncomfortable. My secret sins are recognized by God in the light. 
in 90:17, it says, let the favor of the Lord be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Like, Lord, when I go to work, give me favor. Let me have favor with my boss. Let the work that I do glorify you and let it be recognized by people. Let it, let it be fulfilled and, and have good outcomes. One of the common themes that you're going to find in the Psalms a lot, and it's really uncomfortable because these authors apparently had a lot of people after them, is help me from my enemies. You're going to see this over and over again. My enemies are trying to trap me. They're coming against me. They're using my name as a cuss word. I know, it's crazy. We don't do that these days. Stub your toe. Jim! <laughs> in 86.14, David says, Oh God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life. In 102.8, it says, The day of my enemies, or all the day my enemies taunt me. In 142.3, it says, the, In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Wow. And the third thing that we'll see in these Psalms is that they give glory back to the Lord. His deliverance and his answers to prayer move us to give him glory. 102, 21 through 22, that they may declare, it gives like these verses about how God is in heaven and he looks down on the people that are enslaved to sin. And it says this, deliver them so that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord. Deliver us so that we can give you glory. Believe it or not, the Bible was never about us. We're kind of like a side character in the Bible. Actually, we're like a side side. We're like cameos. The Bible is about giving God glory. And everything he does is to give glory back to himself. So that all nations will look and see. So that no one has excuse. That one day we will all bow before him. And call him Lord. Some of us will call him Lord. And some of us are going to be like, oh God, Lord. We will be without excuse. Because everything is pointing to his glory. 142.7. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. It's all about his glory. So we have these three things. We have an interlacing of worship. We have our requests, which are both earthly, but also spiritual requests. And then we have his glory, that we are praying for his glory. Our Father, which art in heaven, may your name be made holy in all the earth. Let your name be known. Let your reputation get out, right? I like this. It's said that God answers in three ways. He either says, yes, wait for it, or I have something better. And that's really how he works. Yes, wait for it, or I have something better. And so when we take our prayers to him, and we just don't understand, like, God, why aren't you healing this person that I really love? I know, I felt that. I'm with you. I have someone that I love that's hurting. And I just, I can't understand why God isn't changing things. But his answers are yes, wait for it, or I have something better. And I'm not supposed to bend God to my will anyway. I am supposed to surrender that person to him so that it's no longer in my hands, so that I can be transformed by his will. So I'm with you. If you're here tonight and you're just like, man, why isn't God meeting me here? I've got this beautiful little poem that was written by a Confederate soldier. We don't know his name. And this is so, is this up there? Did I put this up? All right, sweet. Listen to this. I asked God for strength that I might achieve but I was made weak 
that I may learn humbly to obey. I asked God for health that I may do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I may be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I hoped for. I am among all men most richly blessed. That's worth taking a screenshot of. If you, if you want to find that, yeah, that is a cool poem. If you want to find that, you can get on iloveelevate.com. The, the message notes are all there in crazy detail, and you can find that poem. It's under podcasts. So in this coming week, I've got a very simple challenge, and I already laid it out ahead of time. Begin spending time with the Lord. Even if it's just 15 minutes, you can cut out TikTok for 15 minutes. I believe in you. You can cut out whatever it is for 15 minutes. And the second half of the challenge is try to apply those three things. The worship, the making prayers for things that aren't just temporary, and then also prayers for God's glory, just like in these Psalms. And if you want to take a look at these Psalms, you can find them in the notes, or they are Psalm 86, 90, 102, and 142. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your gracious, steadfast love that endures forever. Lord, I pray that you will give us hearts of steadfastness for you. Lord, may you get all the glory day in and day out. And Lord, I pray that our prayers also give you glory and that our concern would be more about your will than our own. We love you, Lord. Transform us by the renewing of our minds. Guard our minds with your peace. Lord, I pray that you will break fear off of some people tonight, that you will fill them with hope and joy like they haven't experienced before. Lord, if there's anyone in here that has not called on you as their Lord, that hasn't given their life to you, continue to pick at them. Lord, I pray that this, that this group of people leave here in incredible peace, except those that don't know you. Lord, riddle them, Lord, with strain until they call you their Lord. <laughs> Lord, so that they can know the Prince of Peace and the God of love that you are. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've given us. We give you our lives in response. And it's a small gift, but we are willing to give you all. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.